Women's football in Scotland is growing fast, but to set the story, I need to tell you about a time when it had only began and wasn't that popular. So it's 1881 in Edinburgh, and this is when the first recorded international women's game between Scotland and England took place. Scotland went on to win the match 3-0. The reason I'm giving you a history lesson in women's football is so you know how long it has been going on in Scotland. So back to this century. What has changed since then? Well, women's football has become popular all over the world, but I want to focus on Scotland and see how girls are getting on playing football today. Speaking to former players, members of the SFA, current players and other professionals, I'm Amy Shannon and this is Football in Heels. I loved playing football when I was very young, at six years old. I loved nothing more than getting my football kit on and my total 90s on to have a kick about. Mainly with the boys, there was only one other girl I knew that played football where I lived. I spoke with former players Shelley Kerr, Corey Campbell and also Jen O'Neill who is the editor of She Kicks magazine, which is something you will want to hear about later. But let's get back to what age they were when they started playing football. A very long time ago, um, probably when I was about four years old, I started kicking a ball about and um, you know it just really escalated from there. Just as a kid, I just seemed to take a shine to the, the game of football. So yeah, I was about four years old. Basically started when I was probably about about five or six I was brought up with boys where I lived so it was just basically playing football in the park and that's how it started I couldn't play for the school team but that was just a rule from school started playing when I was sort of five or six where I grew up it was all boys I think anybody sort of my generation late 30s or whatever a similar story and so you either sit in the house and play with dolls on your own or you get out there and muck in and, and that's the sport that you love and you're good at and you you carry on playing so I played growing up with the guys but I could never play organised football because even to age 11 it wasn't permitted to play mixed football so when it came to organised games I'd have to stand on the sidelines playing keepy-ups waiting for them to stop but I always felt a bit embarrassed about being a footballer like there was something sort of underlying that you know it was a bit wrong or I wasn't that proud of it and I've spoken to lots of England players who felt similar you don't shout about it and then I realised that I didn't, I shouldn't have to justify it. I didn't, I didn't want other people to feel like I felt. Both Shelley and Corey have had successful careers and are now both involved in the development side of the game. Both women wanted to just play, but they faced difficulties with there not being a lot of clubs at the time. I've always been a confident person, and um, I think you need to work really, really hard. I think everyone does, but if you're obviously a minority. Um, you know, you, maybe subconsciously you feel I've, I've got to do even better. I've got to try harder because then you know you, you you've, you're earning that respect within you, within your peers. So you know, it was the same as a kid. You know, when I was playing football against boys and with boys, I was it made me more determined. And um, you know, that's the kind of character that I have, and I've probably learned that from an early age. So it's just. You know, it's, it's been with me. And I think, you know, a lot to do with coaching is about your personality. I really do. I genuinely think that. So it's helped me. It's helped me no end. Um, you know, I was very, I was brought up in a very disciplined environment from my parents and, um, you know, taught certain values. And I think those values have helped me as a coach as well. But there's, there's no doubt that I think that, you know, for me, when you're in the company of, you know, high-profile people, then, you know, of course, I think that you have to challenge yourself and, um, you know, you, 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 there is that little element that you want to try extra harder to be successful. 
just purely for the love of the, the game, really. Just enjoyed playing. And it was frustrating at times when you didn't have the opportunity to put a strip on and actually play for a team. But it's something I enjoyed doing and my friends were doing it. So that's always kind of been the motivation. Well, back then you don't really see yourself as being like a boy or girl. We just kind of played. As I said before, we weren't allowed to play in the school team. But that wasn't from the boys. They were all for girls playing or if they were good enough. So... There were, there were barriers to playing football as a girl, but that wasn't from my peers. That was obviously from those from the school. Now we have a view of what it was like for Shelley, Corey and Jen playing football when they were younger. I want to focus on clubs in today's society. Introducing the Cumbernauld Colts, one team who have a great structure with teams going from the seniors to the under nines. I spoke with players from the senior team right down to the under nine players. One thing I noticed about my visit to the Colts was that they were very welcoming and I felt like part of the club. Some of the under nine players were all eager to speak to me as to why they started playing football. Here is Mirren, Ellie, Poppy, Jess, Megan and Lucy with their stories. Well, one time my friend went to a football club and I started liking it, so then one day my mum dad said I can join the Colts. I wanted to start football because I started watching my friends play. It's fun and it keeps you fit. My dad and brother play and I've always wanted to take up the sport. Dad used to play for Scotland and I wanted to do it as well. Keeps you fit and I like it. Another thing to point out about the younger players is they were not afraid to just play and show the boys what they can do. They don't like hesitate to come and get the ball. Yeah. They don't really like just pass. At the matches on Saturdays, they think, um, yes, we're going to win this, but sometimes we beat them. The younger players were all excited and inquisitive as to why I wanted to interview them, but it was great to see young girls just wanting to run about and play a sport they love. The senior team were all very shy, which really surprised me, but after a while of just talking about our favourite teams in football, they warmed up to me and told me about when they started playing and what it was like for them. I spoke with Leslie, the captain, Joe, who's a midfielder, and Lindsay, who's a left-back. I started playing when I was nine, so good... 18 years ago then, it'll be. started playing football when I was about three, to be honest. It was my gran that got me into it. I always had a ball, supposedly, in my pram. So just as soon as I could walk, really, I was playing football and then went to primary school and just ran the boys' riot on the playground at football, joined the boys' team, and then from there progressed. Probably started playing football when I was about five or six years old, just at primary school, just in the playground at break times and lunch times. Um, and it all led on from there, really. When I first started playing, it was the boys in the street used to play with them, and then one of the boys' dads, he ran a football club, so I went and joined them. There was only a girl on the team, obviously. Then we played a few festivals, and that's where I met a coach called Carol Wilson, who took Camerol Coach Girls. Um, she approached herself, and she was just saying, like, we've got a girls' team in Camerol, if you want to come along and um, try that out. I did, and I played with them since I was 10 up to about 17. And then that's when I moved into kind of ladies. At that time, it was only boys' clubs that you could join, so I joined a boys' club, which all the boys in my primary school class played for, and I think I played for them up until sort of the end of primary school, and obviously then girls' football became a wee bit more on the radar and there was more teams out there, so I was able to transfer from boys' football into girls' football. I think because I started when I was so young, it kind of worked because at that point when you're five or six, anybody that wants to play football or anybody that wants to join in to do anything, it was fine. So, And because then by the time I got a wee bit older, they were just so used to me being there, it was never ever a problem. I remember the first day, it was like primary one or something, 
and they were like, no, you're not playing, you're not playing. And then I just kept on going on at them, like, I want to play with you, let me join in. And then that day, like, they saw that I was better than half of them. And from then on, it was like, aye, Joe's, Joe's in our team, Joe can play. So right through, that was P1, right through to P7 in secondary school. First of all, they were apprehensive. They were a bit like, no, you're a girl, you're not playing Moz. And I just had to show them that I am, actually. Amy Summers, the under-9s coach, and Leslie both told me about what it's like playing and coaching at the Colts. I think we've possibly got the best facilities in any of the clubs, like ladies, especially in the Premier. I think the facilities we've got here is the best. Um, it's great to train here, and obviously it's a good you know, selling point for players coming here. They get to train here, get to play here. Um, they get great support from the Colts, so you know it's positives all around to come here. It's brilliant. Like When I first trained here, we were the only girls team, and now it's went from just being one girls team to under nine girls academy right up to ladies level so it's came a long way in the last few years. Shelley Kerr is probably one person in women's football that most people would know about. She was one of my idols growing up. With the sport not being popular in Scotland she was one woman who I looked up to. She is more known for her coaching career with stints at Arsenal ladies who she won countless titles with and now is the first Scottish woman to manage a men's team, Stirling University. I wanted to find out how she got into coaching, what it was like managing the successful women's team and also how she got the Stirling Uni job. It was something, when I played the game, you know, many of my, my teammates would tell you that, um, you know, I, I was coaching when I was playing, you know, during the games. I was a football development officer, which helped me because... I I haven't always worked at the elite side of the game, so I've been involved in growing the game, and I think that's it's, it's been brilliant for my career because it's helped me understand the growth of the game and the development side, and then also um, you know progressing the pathway to work with elite players as well. So you have a, a broader skill set which equips you better. It's the top award you can have um, as a coach. Um, you know, obviously in the coach education pathway, there's different levels, and that's the highest level, but. I've said this many times, you know, it's not just about having the you know, having accolade and that award. It's about actually um, executing all the things and putting them into practice. Um, you know, you, you study for two years, um, but before that, you've studied for potentially 10 years to get to that level, you know, to, to develop yourself as a coach. And, and ultimately, the reason you do that is so that you can develop others. So it's it's a real valuable course. Um, there's so much content in there to help you and, as I say, equip you with the right um, tools to, to make a difference in, you know, your profession. So it was, it was great for me. I really enjoyed the course. It was such a, a fantastic, you know, high-profile club, you know, probably ranked third or fourth in Europe in terms of women's football and, you know, the, being linked to the men's side of it um, was fantastic. The facilities were great and, you know, you, I, was, I was working, I was very fortunate to get the opportunity to work with some, some real talented play, players, not, not just, you know, UK um, players, but players from, you know, other, other, other countries. So it was, um, yeah, it was brilliant. Fantastic! It was a great experience for me, and, and a great learning experience for me too. So I think, you know, when you, in in general in life, um, to develop yourself, it's really important that you have different experiences and challenging experiences. And again, you know, it's something that you need to do if you're in your comfort zone. Then you know you won't progress. So it was good for me. I always um, wanted to further 
challenge myself academically and I thought, well, this is the right time for me in my, my career to, to perhaps go and, and study. So I'd applied to go to Stirling University to do a master's degree in sport management. And then just by chance, I heard that obviously they were looking for um, a high-performance football coach for the men's team. And I thought, well, do you know what? I'm going to put my name in for this job and I'm, I'm going to apply for it. And then I was invited um, to the interview process and um, basically it was within 24 hours, you know, I, I was offered the job. Within a 24-hour period, I was in meeting the, the players the following morning. So it was... It was just amazing, you know. I, I thought when I went for the interview, I thought, great, I've got an opportunity here. Um, you know, I'm, but it's like everyone else. If you get to that stage, you think, well, I've got a little bit of a, a, a chance here if I can come across and 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 show that you know I can. I'm the person for the job, and you know, I was delighted, obviously, when I got the phone call to say that um, I was successful. So yeah, and it's been it's just been brilliant. I think for me, it's been a breath of fresh air. So I'm I'm absolutely loving it. You know, to be honest, it's it's been great. A, a wee bit of career obviously changed for me, but um, it's been brilliant. Shelley Kerr has always had a knack for knowing about football, and that's how she's been so successful. But can women's football in Scotland take the next level and be professional? I spoke to the leagues and competitions manager at the SFA, Julie Tuttle, to see if there was going to be any changes. Also, others weighed in on a question that has been in the back of my mind since this process started. They're trying to change that just now, but at the moment none of the players are paid to, to play in, in, in Scotland, which is why we've lost a lot of our national team players have gone abroad um, or even down to England so that they can, they can make a living out of it because they can't do that here. It's something that's looking likely to change in the very near future. I think the setup possibly has came on a lot more from when I was maybe like 14. It would be good though, obviously, if you could even go part-time. I think it is getting more professional in Scotland. I think there's probably a, a limit. I've loved the games that we've covered um, and I've really enjoyed seeing it and I'm so pleased that um, the standard is what it was. I mean, honestly, I go back to, to when I'd seen them previously and, um, you know, the women, they, ju- they, they didn't look like athletes. They didn't really look like football players and, you know, that's quite scathing, I suppose, but the work, they, they've clearly been a lot of work with sports scientists, they've embraced the the kind of breakthroughs there have been, the advances there have been. And, I mean, there are girls in that, that Scotland team that you look at them and you think, you know what, they could play They could play in the men's game. I mean, they're, they're, there's a physical element to it that, that would count against them. But in terms of the pace and the ability and the touch, the technique, they would easily fit in. I had no idea what a development officer was, never mind there being more than one for each region. So to get to know their role, I spoke with Joanne Murphy, a development officer for the North Region, and Corey Campbell, who wants girls of all ages to take part in football. My role is the Girls and Women's Club Development Officer for the North Region. So basically, my role is to increase the number of players, clubs and teams in the region, uh, focusing on the girls and women's game. So the North Region covers from Aberdeen and the Highlands of Ireland as well. We are put in place to ensure that we have growth at clubs. So not just girls playing football, because what's happened over the years is there's been a lot of football girls just play but they've not got a pathway into a club so it's very important that we work with clubs to create a girls section or work with female only clubs but we don't really um, encourage that we try and get a, a club to become a community club so it's football for all Julie Tudhope is a very important member at the SFA and she oversees all things women's football she told me about the increase she has seen in her years 
working at the SFA. Also, Joanne Murphy and Amy Summers also told me about the increases that they have seen in their regions and at Cumbernauld Colts. I'm a league and competitions manager um, within the Scottish SFA, so part of that, only part of my role is working with women's football. Um, but in terms of the women's game, I'm responsible for all the senior leagues, so the Premier League, Women's Premier League, Women's First Division and the regional second divisions and their associated cup competitions. Um, I also am involved with the the admin of the Scottish Cup, however it's a, an SWF competition. The women's clubs are members of SWF, they cannot be members of the Scottish FA because they don't meet the criteria to be members of, so they have to be members of another body essentially so it's it's SWF is an affiliated association of the Scottish FA and the women's clubs sign up and register to them and the players are registered with them but I run the leagues on behalf of them. At the start of the year all the clubs will register and SWF will say to me right this is the number of teams that we've got registered for the season it's kind of up to you to, to run it. I'll be eight years having been involved in the women's game so definitely seen a big increase in the number of women playing. It's a young age group that are, you know, it's, it's women's football, but they can, the girls can play in it once they're 15. There has been an increase in the past three years since the club development officer job has been in place. There's been about a 50% increase in players in the North region, and probably the same across the country as well, to be honest with you. Even in the last few weeks, we've had about four new girls in, but I think with it coming to summer as well, it's been getting a bit more busy but we have been getting a lot more people. When women's football is mentioned in Scotland there is one team that everyone either knows or speaks about that's Glasgow City FC. With their recent success in the Champions League and playing one of the biggest clubs in Europe PSG it's no surprise that they are becoming more popular but surely there needs to be more of a competition to make the game in Scotland more exciting. Would that help make the women's game in Scotland bigger? I asked Shelley Kerr, Richard Gordon, who's BBC Radio Scotland presenter, and also Cumbernauld Colts captain Leslie. I think at the minute with women's football, it's Glasgow City. They're the kind of it's a one team. You can't have really have one team promoting one sport. So I think what will hap- need to happen is that just around city at the minute, it's just all city. They get attention. I think it needs to be more a wider stretch of kind of publicity going for all the kind of clubs as well to get interest. I think in Europe it's massive. There's also a reason for that because there's got plenty of clubs competing, whereas here it's really just City. They've they've run the show for the last 10 years. You would ask anyone involved with Glasgow City, as much as they will enjoy the success, they, they want a challenge. It's, it feels better as a player. You know, if you're playing in a game and it's it's not as challenging for you. You don't you don't enjoy it the same. What England have done in terms of the Super League is has been fantastic because it does bring that challenge. You do not know who is going to win each of these games, and it, you know it bodes well for. It's a great advert for the for the game down there, but. I think also that the FE have supported the national team players. They are on centralised contracts, so they get a sum of money. And I think that's also helped the quality as well. And I know that Scotland done that last season. We've been covering the Scotland's qualifiers for um, the, the, the major finals in the last couple of years. And we've also um, covered Glasgow City in their European ties. Um, it's been great, I have to say. Um, the, the standard of women's football has increased in immeasurably in the last few years. I, I had gone about six or seven years, I think, from the previous time I'd seen the Scotland's women's team, and the difference was astonishing. I mean, you, you, you were talking about athletes, you were talking about um, girls with a, a really good technical ability, 
Um, and also, of course, getting good results, which, which has helped as well. Jenna Neal has also seen a difference and it seems normal to be playing football in today's society. Well, it's a lot more acceptable, isn't it? I used to get asked on radio programmes, well, why do women play football? Or why do girls want to play football? Now I get asked, when will they get paid the same amount of money? And when will it get as many fans? The whole thing has just totally changed. I think just changing opinions in schools and there's kind of, I suppose, normal now for girls to play football. Also publicity... There needs to be a lot more coverage in the press and on the TV and the papers, etc. But I think that's coming, which is good. And also just interest. Uh, there's lots of girls out there that want to play football, but it's just kind of getting them into clubs and letting them play, play games and everything like that. And that will increase as well. One thing I've noticed about women's football teams all over the world and not just in Scotland is that social media is a very big part in helping it become more popular. With most teams having a Twitter account and a Facebook page, it's easy to find a local team that young girls may want to play for. Go back a good few years and the only way to find out about women's football results or to know the teams would be word of mouth. To really know what it was like, introducing Jen O'Neill, the editor of SheKicks magazine, which I had never heard of until starting this project, but learned so much just speaking to her about our love for the game. Essentially in October 1996, the publisher who I still work with, he came from a magazine background. He wanted to start his own magazine and, and he was a Newcastle supporter and his daughter was devastated that Andy Cole left to go to Manchester United and it sort of occurred to him that there were a lot of girls and women out there who loved football and you know maybe nobody was taking them seriously and then it occurred to him that, well, they play football as well. Maybe there wasn't that much noise being made about it and so he looked into it and realised there was a niche or a gap there. There was really virtually no way to find out about the game in the UK, news results and stuff like that, other than the game that you just played or maybe one or two other games in your league. So he said, won the ball and however many years later we're still going. I asked Jen if Scottish football was something that the magazine covered and also what she thought about Scottish players. Yeah definitely we always have an interview with a Scottish player um, pretty much every issue and we always have SWPL stuff in there and obviously Glasgow City are heavily feature in the Scotland team as well. I'm a big fan of Anna and, and Kim Little is one of the best players in the world so it would be a bit weird to not include them. There are Scottish players at some of the best clubs in the world. Kim's doing so well at Seattle but then you've got Lisa going to Bayern. You've got several of them in Swedish teams. It's devastating that they haven't just gone that extra step what the last three occasions to, to get into the big finals because it would have at least given the slightly wider media some interest for a I while. think one of the main questions I've had over the course of this project is how can women's football get more publicity and how can it become more popular? It's something I asked everyone included with the documentary and it was interesting to hear different aspects of what could be done to make it a more accessible sport for young girls who want to make it a career. I would say that the men's game is like popularity has gone down whereas women's are getting more attention. You know, obviously City's helped up with getting at the Champions League and stuff like that. But there was a big thing about the men's team Recently, the Scottish team getting £45 for a ticket, and then the ladies' Scottish team, you were getting like 30 tickets for kids and adults for £50. People were going and talking about it on radio shows, saying, like, How can the men justify paying this when the women's team? And it was the women's kind of packaging was a lot more kind of fat for family oriented, it was more accessible. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's getting slightly better, obviously, and I think social media now with Twitter and Facebook, and you know, that's obviously helping, but you don't hear an awful lot of it. and. Um, you know, I know personally now because I know of what 
you know, Twitter feeds to follow and, and then I, I can readily get the information, but I think you maybe have to look for it. We've been covering the Scotland's qualifiers for um, the, the, the major finals in the last couple of years. And we've also um, covered Glasgow City in their European ties. Um, it's been great, I have to say. Um, the, the standard of women's football has increased in, immeasurably in the last few years. I, I had gone about six or seven years, I think, from the previous time I'd seen the Scotland's women's team, and the difference was astonishing. I mean, you, you, you were talking about athletes, you were talking about um, girls with a, a really good technical ability, um, and also, of course, getting good results, which, which has helped as well. Women's football in Scotland is growing fast, with there are more girls playing and teams being created everywhere. It's no surprise that it's gaining momentum, but we could learn some things from our friends in the South about how to get women's football in Scotland to the next level. You need the structure in place, you need good people at the clubs, you need the marketing strategies, but I think the clubs are doing fantastic work, but they need support from, you know, the national governing body, the people that are responsible for running, for growing the game as well, and we've came a long way, and that's what we can't forget, but until you get a product that is highly competitive, then it's hard to attract, you know, sponsors, you get to generate more income and support, and I think we've had a lot of support in terms of the national team to support um, athlete development and we really need to get to a finals. I think that's the one thing that the national team need to do because that in itself generates a whole lot of profile and more and more resource and finance. So for me that, that that's a key. I think that the third time, you know, that we've been into the finals and we've just not quite made it and you know, it's been disappointing for everyone involved, you know, especially the players because they've worked so hard. And I think the next championship will be key and instrumental for to move the game forward. You know, you've seen investment from Manchester City, you've seen investment from Notts County, Liverpool, previously Arsenal as well. That in turn helps the players to become more professional and more educated and I think that's a big difference. So, you know, there's also over the last two or three years um, it's really, really competitive and, you know, you need that. You need a competitive advantage for the game to move forward. You know, I think in Scotland there's a need for the other teams to, to obviously, you know, be more competitive and try and bridge the gap. Obviously you've got the professional teams, you've got professional leagues and I think they're um, they're much more heavily supported by the, the clubs down there. So you've got the, the link-up um, between the, the men's teams and the women's teams. That happens much less. You know, Glasgow City, of course, just stand alone um, and they are the force obviously in, in Scottish women's football um, I mean what I've seen of them they've done it the right way they've got the, the age level teams right the way through up they've got a great network um, there, there's been a bit of money spent obviously they bring very good players in um, for, for short spells and that helps to, to increase the overall standard but they stand alone um, it, it's tough very tough. In a sense, I suppose it's like the, the men's game because obviously there's far more money in England for the, the men's game as well. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking two completely different ends of the range. Um, so I can imagine, I can imagine it is tough for the women's teams um, just on a week-to-week basis. Back then, the setup and the training and the facilities down there compared to what I did experience up here... It was like night and day. They were they far superior than what it was up here, but now that's completely changed. Within the last seven years since Anna Signal, their national coach has come in to post, she's worked with all the clubs to ensure that the, the standard of the game has risen and making sure the coaches, the quality of the coaching staff, all the clubs. So she's really worked hard. And so now we're in 
on a par. We don't have the same input um, from funding into our game that they do down in England. They get millions of pounds put into the game, but for what we have uh, and the support, funding support we get, we do very, very well now. So, yeah, I'm pleased today. The standard of the game has improved dramatically in Scotland. There's a lot more teams down there, so although we have like regionalised leagues up here, there's obviously a lot more regions in England, so there's more girls playing, but there's not really that much difference, to be honest with you. And they have the professional setup. they have the, the Women's Super League, and the clubs, when they bought into that, were, you know, were heavily financed by the, the FA, which, unfortunately, we don't have that kind of access to funds, so... Yeah, I think there's a, there's a big gulf there. Obviously, the players down there are professionals, or can be professional. They can be semi-professional or amateur. At this stage, our players are only um, can only be amateur. You need the time for things that were put in place in the past to, to come to fruition. Gemma Faye said that in an interview with our mag. You know, she's a, a sports development officer. It can take 10 or 15 years for, for things to, to, to really sort of see the, the benefits of plans. We also maybe need a big sponsor that would help, that would help push things along. Um, BBC Alba coverage helps, but the men's game's pretty financially poor in Scotland at the moment, so that doesn't really, you know, that in England they've got a bit of a leg up because of men's clubs putting money in. Ultimately, if Scotland got to a, a Euros or World Cup finals, that would really help. One more thing to mention, parents in today's society are more understanding with their daughters wanting to play football. Oh definitely, she wants to play for Scotland, there's no doubt about it. That's her aim, there's lots of things in football, it's not just about, you know, it's a team game, it's skills, it's life skills, getting on with people. She was about five as well, she was watching her brother going to football with her brother um, and wanting to go and wanting to go in and wanting to take part. She would love to be a professional footballer, yeah, she would be. Once they're paid. I have learned so much while making this documentary and spoken to some incredible people. I think that women's football is in a league of its own and it's steadily growing and getting more recognition. I think it just needs to get a bit more publicity and it just needs a bit more fans. But it can happen, so hopefully it does happen in the future. So more Cumbernauld Colts players become stars in the future. I'm Amy Shannon and this has been Football in Heels.